When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A one, two, three, four. Thanks for listening to this podcast produced by Diddy TV. Visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive on-demand content or download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today. Hey there, folks. I'm Amy Wright. Welcome to Insights, where my guest this hour is Andy Falco, longtime member of Grammy and IBMA award-winning progressive bluegrass band Infamous String Dusters. In the next hour, you'll hear from Andy and I as we discuss the nuances of bluegrass music, the String Dusters formation and background, the band's current Grammy nomination for its work on the album A Tribute to Bill Monroe, the upcoming release of its new studio album Toward the Fray, and a whole lot more. It was really wonderful to meet and to learn so much from Andy, and I'm excited for you to join in on the fun. So stay tuned, and thanks again for joining us here on Insights. Hi, Andy. How are you? Good. How are you? Very, very good. It's just you and me today. Yes, that's it. <laughs> yeah, we were gonna have. There was talk of others, and 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 this is this is where we're at. Yeah, no, this is exciting. We're gonna have a good Great. conversation. So, yeah. where, where are you? Where are you now? Like geographically? Long Island. Long Island. Is that where you're from? Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. So I'm in my in my house in Long Island. Nice. Nice. You know, I was I was reading a little bit about how you guys got together, and uh, it was um, wasn't it at Berkeley? Some of the guys um, went to Berkeley. Two of the guys, Pandolfi and Andy Hall. Um, I was not one of those guys. Um, I I was. Uh, we kind of actually Andy Hall and Pandolfi and myself are all from from the Northeast here. We're we're all from New York, but different parts of New York. So we got to know each other on the um, sort of New England, you know, Northeast bluegrass scene, sort of. And actually, I got to know those each of those guys sort of independently of each other before all this. So um, anyway. So wouldn't you say that the bluegrass scene is, is a there's kind of a close knit group of people. Everyone I talk to who plays bluegrass says everyone knows everyone. Would you say that's true? Uh, yeah, sort of. Um, I think that, um, I think that there's different segments of, of the bluegrass world. And I think in each sort of corner of, of those, uh, of those worlds, everybody seems to kind of know each other. I think, you know, there's definitely like a more trad world and then there's sort of the so-called, you know, jam grass world and, and, and kind of everything in between. So, um, yeah, but I think, you know, in each sort of niche within the, 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 the genre, I think, you know, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a close knit community, you know? So bluegrass, most people don't realize this, but it's really hard to play. It's, it's like classical music. It's really, it's really tough. it's without a doubt the, the most difficult music to play, particularly the guitar stuff, is by far the, the hardest thing to play. Um, no, I'm, I'm just kidding, really. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, isn't that um, where you come in? 
<laughs> I think it's, you know, I think like, like any, any of the roots music or any kind of music, really, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's all in the details, right? It's all in the nuances of, you know, of, of that particular genre. And I think, um, you know, bluegrass is interesting because while oftentimes it tends to be kind of like a three chords and the truth kind of music, it's, 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 um, misunderstood as being easy, but, but actually, um, you know, yeah, they, when, when you start getting into the nuances of how it all works and, and, and there is a, an extreme, you know, a, there's so many of these young players, you know, that are just, they're just virtuosos on the instrument. I mean, it's, it's incredible to, uh, to see where it's, where it's gone, but I mean, it, it's always kind of been like that in bluegrass sort of, you know, it's been, uh, there's been always been a, um, certainly a, um, an emphasis on, on, on proficiency on the instruments, you know, dating back to the father of bluegrass of uh, Bill Monroe. You know? And we're going to talk about Bill, Bill Monroe in just a bit, because you guys are nominated for a Grammy for the yeah. tribute album to Bill Monroe. So that's going to, that's got to be exciting. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's super, super excited about that. I mean, and, and surprised, honestly, I mean, that's a record that, that we made uh, during the, during the, quarantine really times you know when we were we were all home you know in fact it was mixed right in this room that i that i'm sitting in right now um in my house so um you know it, it was a, it was a surprise and, and and an honor and you know i mean we're in really good company on that list of nominees and um couldn't be more honored to be there yeah i was gonna say i actually um you're in the same category as Billy Strings, Bella Fleck, Sturgill Simpson, and Rhonda Vincent. That's a pretty yeah. nice group to be a part of. Yeah, you know, I mean, a- any of those people um, can and should win the Grammy. And, um, you know, and, and it's really an honor to be amongst that list of, 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 of artists, you know, truly. To go back a bit, did you guys grow up playing bluegrass or is that something that when you all got together, that sort of gelled. But um, I, you know, I just didn't know where sort of the desire to play bluegrass came from. Um, I think we all have a different um, starting point on bluegrass. I, you know, for me, I did not start playing bluegrass. You know, I'm from Long Island. Um, I grew up listening to a, an eclectic record collection that my parents had, uh, and I, I have still have it here. Um, but I mean, I grew up listening to like the Beatles and, 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 you know, classical music and, and, uh, then getting into like the Grateful Dead and, and, you know, into, into that sort of world and Allman Brothers band and sort of jam music, you know, and that's kind of what I was playing when I was learning to play music and, and coming up, um, when I was younger and the bands, you know, we were, we were writing songs, but we were also playing a lot of these, you know, kind of kind of jam kind of covers and stuff like that um and then i found bluegrass later you know and uh kind of through all these uh uh, other bands like the grateful dead you know you 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 you, uh, when i was younger i remember a a, a moment where i was listening to the radio here and a blues show was on and um and i heard reverend gary davis doing samson delilah and i thought um wow how cool it is for this old blues guy to be doing a grateful dead song and I kind of realized what I, that thought, and I was like, oh, wait a minute. No, no, it's, it's the other way around, you know? And I kind of went back into blues, and I kind of went back into the more roots of where Grateful Dead 
music was 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 derived from and um and that's kind of how i you know roughly how i found bluegrass so it's i think it's a longer story than that but 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 musically speaking i think that was sort of the beginning of it so when you guys first got together did you immediately gel i, mean, I know there's been some iterations with a couple of people new people in the yeah. band but was there sort of an immediate gelling um of the members of the band yeah, well, for me, I have a I have sort of a unique experience because I there was a the original guitar player is named Chris Eldridge who plays in Punch Brothers now among other things, um, and um, these were all the whole band. You know, they started that band in in Nashville. We were all living in Nashville and at the time, and they had the band going. There was a different bass player. It was Alan Bartram actually who plays in the trap in the Travel McCurries and with Del McCurry. Um, was the original uh, bass player. And then they, you know, he had kind of moved on and they and they brought Travis in. And yeah, but we were all just buddies down in Nashville. And they, they were my friends who had this awesome band. And I used to go check them out and, and watch them play. And, and we would all be hanging and picking parties, and, you know, all the time in, in those years. And, uh, and it was right after the first album came out, Fork in the Road, when Chris was leaving, uh, to go do his thing with uh, with Punch Brothers, and so they asked if I would join. So that so I kind of came in a little bit later, but we were all really close friends and jamming all the time, and 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 we've known each other for years, and um, and um, so you know, really, that's kind of the the basis of it all is we're 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 good friends, you know, and um, and we enjoy playing music together, and and you know, so. Um, I think that really makes for great chemistry for a band. You know? Well, you're known for kind of pushing the boundaries of bluegrass, whatever that means, I guess, for, for people. But did you realize you were doing that when you first got together? Or did you think you were playing more traditional bluegrass and then people started saying, hey, you're pushing the boundaries there a little bit? Yeah, I think, you know, I think that from the very beginning of the band, um, it was a progressive bluegrass band, you know, um, just by nature of the fact that it, it was definitely a more traditionally uh, based band. You know, the, the music definitely was more trad bluegrass in the beginning than it is now. Um, but still, these other influences, because we all have, you know, our own individual musical DNA, which then, you know, ultimately is the musical DNA of, of a band, you know, and there's a lot of other kinds of music, you know, Andy Hall, our Dobro player, he was like a shred metal guitar player, but also into, you know, Grateful Dead Fish and jammy stuff. You know, Panda was like going, like selling, I think, cheap grilled cheeses on Fish Lot, you know. Um, you know, Travis was going to see all the jam bands in the Colorado area and, and Jamgrass and all the early years of Jamgrass. And, and, uh, and Jeremy was very rooted he had a band with his father very rooted in traditional bluegrass and um but all of us you know have this common denominator of bluegrass and um i think that uh that these other influences naturally come out in the early years maybe not quite as much but then as we um evolved as a band and as the years went on and you know you're you're continually ideally trying to always evolve you know till till the till whenever you know you're not on this earth to make music anymore. I mean, ideally you're, you're, you're always evolving. And, and I think a big part of that evolution was really diving deep into um, our 
collective musical DNA and, and allowing that stuff to come out. Because, you know, for me, I, I can speak for myself. You know, I moved to Nashville from Long Island, you know, as a bluegrass guitar player. And I, you know, I was always trying to sound like people have been playing bluegrass all their lives and, and trying to shed this other, I grew up playing, you know, more electric guitar and, and that kind of thing, rock stuff and whatever. Um, you know, I was trying to shed all of that musically and sound like a bluegrass guitar player for years. And we all, you know, we moved to Nashville. We all worked in different, you know, tour as touring, you know, hired guys and sessions and stuff like that playing bluegrass music. But, you know, it wasn't long after I moved to Nashville that I felt like, wow, I'm just not going to sound that way. But then being comfortable with that and realizing, well, that's, you know, yeah, you have to sort of dive into your genuine self and the music that where you come from and to be genuine because you can't fool an audience, you know, and, you know, you have, that's the best way to do it. I mean, if you're going to create and you're, um, you're going to be an artist, you have to, you have to, you're, you're, you're looking for your, your, your deepest self. And I think that is kind of what happened um, over time and made us maybe more progressive, I guess you, what you, what you had said, but, um, I think that just means, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's not traditional bluegrass. We're not trying to sound really like anybody else, but we are deeply um, connected to bluegrass and we feel like we're a bluegrass fan, you know? Well, it's kind of funny when you look at the art world and artists like Picasso and people would criticize his paintings sometimes for being too out there. And then when you see what he could actually do, he could paint a yeah. perfect portrait if, oh, he, of course, yeah. if he wanted to, but that's yeah, not, that's not really that interesting. The early, the early paintings, they're like, you know, it's incredible. It's a whole different thing that, and then you see it in order at that museum in Amsterdam and, and you just see this evolution, you know, and I think that's just natural for an artist to want to do. And I think sometimes, sometimes people are afraid of that as artists or resist it because of maybe commercially speaking, you know, maybe if you fit into a genre and you're afraid to, 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 to turn people off. And, and I can understand that from a, from a professional point of view, but, uh, but at the end of the day, you just have to be most genuine to your art and, and let it be what it's going to be. And hopefully enough people from a business standpoint, hopefully enough people like it enough that you can, can do it. But really, what it comes down to is doing the most genuine form of the art that you can as, as individuals and collectively as a group. Yeah, it seems to me that the most successful artists are the ones that do follow their own path because they're not really thinking about the commercialism. They're just thinking about putting out really great music, which is yeah. what you guys do. And of course, you're trying to find your tribe. So you're trying to find the audience that, that loves your music. Like-minded, you know. Right, like-minded <laughs> individuals, which you have. And you guys are known for having incredible live performances. Where did that come from? And what do fans expect now from you guys? Yeah, I think a lot of that, you know, can be traced back to sort of the, the influence that the Grateful Dead and, and the way they structured their shows. And, and then, you know, you go into that whole jam world and then there's the, the early uh, pioneers of kind of like this jam grass uh, type of style, which would be, you know, probably like Salmon, Yonder, um, you know, bands like that, uh, String Cheese Incident. And, you know, I think it's kind of based in that. And we all, you know, I mean, I, I've been to many, many Grateful Dead shows. My first Grateful Dead show was 1986, you know. Um, 
And the other guys, too, have been to many Grateful Dead fish shows and that kind of thing. I think that sort of format of a show where there's two sets and um, there's an element of, uh, of some of, of lighting as well. But, um, you know, and there's a lot of improvis improvisational moments and, and a lot of um, transitions into songs and stuff like that, rather than just sort of song stop, you know, song stop, song stop, you know. We um, we have moments and and I think that general um, formula is kind of like what our the bands in our world that's kind of what what, what people do and so we're um, really proud to be a part of that lineage and and that's kind of how we sort of structure our shows as well you know well and your current album is toward the fray but before we get to that I want to go back and re revisit the tribute to Bill Monroe just a little bit more since you're up for the Grammy and that's that's coming up too. Uh, why did you decide to put out that particular album um, during the pandemic or just now in general? That's a good question. And, you know, really, um, we, we, we do, when we do our original music records, you know, like we, like we talked about, it's not exactly, you know, right up the middle bluegrass, all of it. And, um, you know, we're, we're really uh, trying to push ourselves and, and evolve as artists from album to album. And we often talk about, you know, have talked about, you know, hey, we should do a more trad album at some point, just because it's really, we love that music and it would be fun to do. And, um, but, you know, with all the touring and, you know, usually every year, you know, when we're getting in the studio, we, we all write songs and we want to record those songs and we want to, you know, continue that evolution. Just time hasn't allowed us to, to do that. So then you have, um, then 2020 comes, you know, we're all home and hanging out and kind of like, you know, mm, I wonder, you know, we we're, we're really looking for something to connect creatively, you know, because we live around, scattered around the country, you know, and we're trying to figure out, you know, it was important to us to try to stay connected creatively. And, um, and uh, the first thing we did was Christmas album, you know, instrumental Christmas album. And then, so then that sort of worked out and then, uh, you know, we did it remotely and then, we had decided, well, hey, maybe this is a good time to do our trad album because we can't do our original albums remotely. It's just impossible because there's just way too much experimentation and uh, improvisation in the studio and, and all of that. That just, you, it just, it, you can't really do it sure. remote. But, you know, Bluegrass, you know, doing Bill, you know, and what became the Hey, a Bill Monroe tribute because what's, what's more trad than, than playing, you know, music from the father of bluegrass, you know, um, you know, we picked our favorite Monroe songs and, you know, that stuff, we're not reinventing the wheel. We're, we're literally trying to play our version, string dusters version of Bill Monroe's, you know, music. And, uh, and which is, you know, interesting because we don't have a mandolin player in Bill Monroe. You know, I course, noticed that Andy, <laughs> I was going to ask you about the lack of mandolin and, and yes. so I thought, was that on purpose or just because you don't have one in general or? Yeah, we don't have a mandolin player. And so, you know, there maybe there might have been a second where we might have thought, hey, we, maybe we should get a guest mandolin player. But but ultimately what we decided to do was, no, we wanted it to sound like the String Dusters and we wanted it to be a String Dusters, String Dusters doing Bill Monroe. And we weren't, again, trying to completely reinvent the songs, but we wanted the sound to, to be you know, the string dusters. And so that's how we did it. It's just uh, straight up, you know, and there is no mandolin. Um, 
but um but that's how the string dusters roll and you know so it's it's our it's our tribute to the father well i thought it was it was interesting because people who don't know bill monroe he he actually was inventive himself even though he's more in that traditional world for his time period he was doing some really innovative things and i thought yeah. he would love this you're doing songs and you left out the mandolin he would probably think that was great <laughs> I, I think he would, you know, I, I really do think he would. And, you know, he was very progressive. In fact, um, the where I started in bluegrass was in a, a band here um, at, for, for a man named Buddy Miriam, who's on Long Island here. He he was good friends with Bill Monroe and, and learned a lot directly from Bill Monroe. And, you know, he even had a song with a trombone that he was trying to get, you know, to tell him, Buddy, hey, I want to, you know, record and it's got to have trombone. And he was... He was not as, you know, it's interesting how oftentimes in bluegrass, I know certainly like up here in the Northeast, particularly, you know, some people put all these rules on it, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, oh, it's got to be this and it's got to be this and it's, you know, it's got to check, you know, and really it is interesting that Bill Monroe was, was an, was an innovator and, um, you know, he was, he wasn't playing by the rules, you know, and, and. I think in the spirit of Bill Monroe, I, I think very much that he would he would love all these bands that are trying to push the envelope and do do doing their own thing and trying to find their own sound and evolving in their own way. So just out of curiosity, as you travel around the country, do you find different parts of the country have different styles of bluegrass? And do you adjust to those or is it kind of similar everywhere? Yeah, I, I think they do have a little bit. I, yeah, I would say, I mean, I think to some degree, you know, people playing bluegrass in the Northeast is a little bit different than maybe people playing bluegrass in California, maybe different than the way people are playing bluegrass in in Colorado uh, or, you know, playing bluegrass in, in Tennessee or Kentucky, I think, you know, but I think, you know, it's all really coming from the same place, you know, in, in a lot of ways. And so I think there, you know, it's not, you know, crazy different but yeah i think there are there are stylistic and, and there should be because if you think about it different regions there's just going to be different different influences and in people writing songs about different experiences of what they're going through you know and i think that's important too as songwriters it's just kind of part of being genuine i mean i, I can't write a song about you know living in a cabin in kentucky i mean nobody wants to hear you know, a Long Islander singing about what it's like to live in a cabin in Kentucky in like the 40s. You know, I, I just I don't know anything about that. You know, um, you know, I think that. Um, so I think, you know, when people are writing songs and stuff, yes, yeah, certainly there's different um, influences and stuff that come into the music. So, so um, let's move on to Toward the Fray. Because uh, that's that's your latest album. And you guys wrote it during the pandemic. And, yeah. and you're obviously not in the same place, but it sounds like you got together at some point because um, th this actually required more of that collaboration, I'm, I'm assuming. But That's what right. were you guys doing? You couldn't tour. So just in general, before we talk about the album, what were you doing during the pandemic? Were you happy to have a pause or was it really a shock to the system? Um, it was a shock to the system, certainly. Um, I think it was a scary time because there was a lot of uncertainty um, from a from a, a health perspective, from a financial perspective. I think um, you know we just it was it was a weird 
time, you know, to, to be sort of processing all that, you know, amongst that though. Yeah. There, there were, you know, silver linings, you know, in that. And I think there was, you know, as much as it was a, a, a terrible year for, for, for all of that, um, the health and all that, and people just suffer. A lot of people suffered. Um, it was also, you know, this great pause that happened that could never happen. I don't think just for musicians, I think for, for a lot of people who reevaluate, you know, who, who were given the opportunity to sort of reevaluate their life. I think a lot of people were kind of thinking, and I know certainly I was thinking, you know, like, what am I doing and, and why, you know, and, and what are the reasons why, why, why am I doing this? Or even from a songwriting standpoint, kind of like writing a song and being like, really thinking about like, well, what, what is, why am I writing this song? You know? And I think all of that came into people, people change careers, you know, after all this, I think, because they of this opportunity to reevaluate that we don't get. So I think that was a silver lining and all that. Um, I spent a lot of time, you know, obviously with my family, which was an amount of time that I, I will never probably be able to do again. And that was really special to be able to spend time with my wife, and my daughter and, and just day in and day out, kind of be home. And, um, you know, these are all the silver linings. And I spent a lot of time in right in here in my studio working on um, different projects, string duster projects, you know, um, these, these albums that we were doing remotely, I mix um, here um, and I sort of piece it together here as well. Um, and, I had my solo album that I was working on and I was also doing, you know, some mixing for people and some overdubs and stuff like that for other people. Um, and that's kind of how I was creatively fulfilling myself was, you know, you, you have, you have to still be creative, you know, well, the, the shows weren't happening. We weren't able to get together, but you know, your art doesn't stop and you still need to, to do it. And I think that energy got, um, got, 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 you know, pushed to the studio, you know, and um, spent a lot of time in here. Well, I think music lends itself to collaboration more than a lot of professions. And when you go into music, a part of the joy is playing with everybody else. And I think that the musicians that I've talked to, it, it was a little bit isolating for them to not have that, that ongoing sort of collaboration playing together, writing together, touring together, whatever it was. Um, but yeah. like you said, you have to actually make lemonade out of lemons at some point. That's right. That's right. And, and you know, we got together for uh, about two weeks in um, the end of, let's see, what, what that was the end of September of 2020. And uh, Travis and I um, were both East Coasters. We, we went to Colorado and we, um, you know, spent time with each other, which was great. And that's when we sort of made this, this, this record. We were able to. Now, it was still a little different. Typically, we would, you know, do a lot of, we'd do a long period of pre-production before we got into the studio. And um, we would, you know, after the show and tell of the songs, we'd sort of hash through them, you know, kind of arrange them, see what we like, you know, try this, try that. You know, we do a lot of that when we're on the road during the day, you know, um, when we're about to go into the studio to make a record. We didn't get to do any of that. In this, in this case, it was a little bit of a different record. Um, 
we just sent our demos around that everybody made at home and we're like, all right, these are the songs, you know, that we're going to do. And then we, when we got together, we ran them, I think for a day, maybe two, I think we kind of did a day or two of just kind of going through and playing through the songs a little bit. And, and then we went into the studio and cut them. And there was really something cool about that too. Like we probably would have never done a record that way typically, but it was nice to kind of get that freshness of the songs recorded in the studio, you know, where there was a little bit of, uh, of, of a spontaneity to the, to the arrangements kind of, and they weren't really like overly, um, you know, overly arranged, you know, and we were, we were kind of um, just playing what felt the most natural and, and almost like that first instinct of the song. And it was kind of cool to capture these songs in that way. And, you know, it helps that we we've played so much music together. I mean, there's a, there's an element of that too, um, where you know everybody knows kind of can can read each other in a way that in the studio. So um, it, it was a really nice balance of that spontaneity though in, in the studio, and I think that kind of made this record unique in that in that in the process. You know, well, I was listening to the album, great album by the way, and. Thank you. Uh, um, toward the fray. So what does that mean? I noticed that some of the themes in the songs were dealing with the social unrest that we were all experiencing over the last year and a half, whether it was um, George Floyd or it was the pandemic and lots of other yeah. things going on. So what does toward the fray mean to you guys? Well, what it means to me is, um, you know, I think with all of this stuff, that we saw happening, all these, all these, all these events that sort of happened, George Floyd and, and the protests and the, and the, the um, particularly in, in that situation, I think where toward the fray comes from is kind of um, to me, a, a, a realization of, of, you know, it's, it's that maybe it's not enough to just, uh, you know, know this stuff is out there and shake your head and say, Oh man, that's, that's terrible. That's a shame. And then go about your 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 your, your daily life that it, that isn't maybe directly affected by that. I think to me that's 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 what the song the song is really about. Um, is is about that is about you know you got you got to actually you know run toward the fray if we're going to find solutions for this. Um, and I think you know it's interesting. We all wrote songs during this during during these times, and there there is kind of a running theme when everybody brought their songs in to do even though we weren't together, everybody, not surprisingly, because, you know, um, we are all like-minded people, but, um, you know, we all had sort of the same feelings happening and there was a running theme, you know, I think throughout the album, but, but I think the, an important part of that theme is, is that it's not all doom and gloom. I think it's also, there's, there's a lot of hope in, 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 our, in our message, I think, and what we're, we're, we're trying to, 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 to be real about what's going on, but also be hopeful that, that, that things can and will get better. Well, and there's a rather haunting image in the album art with a young girl kind of coming towards you through the flames, I guess. Yeah. And um, so what did that image, how did that image capture what you guys were intending for the album? Yeah, I think, I think she's the hope. You know, she's she's the hope. She's the youth and she's the hope, like looking into it and and not, um, you know, not running away from it, but but going to it. And I, and I think that's, um, you know, 
in all of this, in this world that we live in, you know, I think the best thing that we can do is, 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 is be good examples for, for our children and the youth. And, and because they're the ones ultimately that are going to have to carry this torch. And I think that, um, you know, I think that that's the hope, you know, the hope is that, you know, as we work through this stuff as a society and, and all of these complicated um, issues, you know, that uh, we come out the other side and, and, and the youth is, is able to have a, a world um, that they can then, um, you know, thrive in, you know. So you released, uh, you released Toward the Fray, which is actually a title song, and then also Hardline is the second single you released. Tell me a little bit about Hardline. Yeah, Hardline came uh, from Jeremy, our, our fiddle player. He, he brought that song in and yeah, it's, it's, it's a similarly, that, that's a great example. Like those two songs are very, you know, they have a, there's a running theme in there and it's a similar kind of theme. And, and I think that, um, you know, I think that we tend to um, like to write songs that, that, that are spreading positivity sometimes and, and that, that don't um, really get too dark all the time. But I think on this one, as songwriters, there was just there was just no way to to deny that 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 the, the, the realities of what are happening. And I think you know there is, like I said, a you know a darkness uh, to to or we're addressing the darkness. And and but you know but but also there is there is a hope and a, and, a, and, a, and an ultimate um, you know positivity. I think in there as well. What I took away was that people are in their camps. But maybe the hope is that people are going to start to compromise a little more and 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 get out of their own head and their own space and reach across and and try to figure out what's in what's in everyone else's head so we can actually come together a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that exactly is right. I mean, look, you know, we run up and down the roads in this country all the time. And, you know, at the end of the day, most people really want the same things. You know, I mean, people, really, <laughs> uh, people really aren't all as different as they think. And, uh, you know, I think I think there is a truth in that. And, um, you know, I think we have to find those common that that common ground. And that's, I think, where we need to live. And, and, and we can discuss the other things as well. But like, I think what's lost, I think, lately is just this people are forgetting about the common ground. And, um, and that's, that's a real shame, you know, because that's where we can laugh together and we can, you know, sing together and we can, you know, that's, that's where our society can really, you know, do its best work really, you know? And, um, you know, I think, I think that song illustrates that, you know, for sure. And did I, did I hear drums on this album, Andy? You did. You heard drums on, I think, two songs. Was this the first and, time uh, you guys have ever had drums on an album? or We had some drums on Ladies and Gentlemen, um, which was a more collaborative album. And it isn't unusual for me to put like a kick drum and some light percussion on, on, underneath um, on, on our albums. But this is, yeah, this is the first like original, you know, like string duster album, like this like normal kind of string duster album 
where we brought in a drummer and um, and tracked with a drummer for a couple songs. And it was really, it, the songs just called for it. And I think, you know, again, that's part of that, that thought of, you know, are, are, are you serving like a genre of music or are you serving the song, you know, or, or you know, you're serving your art. And I think, um, I think, you know, bringing in drums like that, it, th those songs were calling for it and we felt like it, that's what the songs needed. And so, yeah, we brought him in and it, and it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so will you need a drummer on tour then now? <laughs> no, no, you know, we're still going to be a string. You know, I think right. we'll always be. We, we've done some shows, you know, occasionally special shows or something. You know, we mm -hmm. had the cheese percussion and drummer um, with us uh, at the mission a couple of years ago. And, and that's always a fun thing. And it's 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 cool. It's it, but it, it, it ultimately changes, you know, a lot of the way, um, you know, our, our, our band sort of sonically functions. And so we, we typically stay with the string band format. So are you guys going out on tour then soon? I hope so. You know, I mean, we are planning on going, we're doing, um, we're doing a couple months with green sky bluegrass, um, starting the middle of January. Um, and so that's kind of the next thing that we do. Um, and yeah, assuming, you know, things are seen or can, can fly. I mean, you know, we had to cancel our new year shows, um, uh, for this, for the, for the new variant, um, just to keep, you know, our people safe and, and, you know, um, that's just, that's just what we had to do, but uh, hopefully that, that passes by the time these, uh, tours start and, and we can kind of get back out in the road, but I know that we will certainly be touring. Um, you know, I don't, I don't see the, these variants when they pop up like this, I think we'll be taking, you know, you, you think about a year ago, how different things were, we weren't on the road, you know, we had very, very, you know, we were trying to figure out how we can do some, maybe some outdoor shows, you know, um, that was a year ago. Now, you know, tours are going to happen. We've taken five steps forward. This to me, I consider it. Okay. We had to take a step back and then hopefully right when this sort of chills out, we can take another five steps forward. We might have to take another step back here and there and that's okay. So that's how I kind of see, uh, the next, you know, year or two is going to be sort of like that. I think we're going to be, for the most part, playing shows and doing what we got to do. And occasionally, sometimes we'll have to, we'll have to, we'll have to miss some. And that's, that's just how it'll go. And that's okay. You know, people, you know, it's funny, you know, you, you cancel these shows and people get all, they get all worked up, you know, about, you know, look, nothing breaks my heart more than not to see my, my string duster brothers and go play, play some shows this weekend and get to see, you know, some smiling faces and, and party for New Year's, you know, I mean, it like breaks our heart to have to do that. But, you know, but, you know, to put it in perspective, these are these are concerts, you know, people are people are, uh, you know, some people, most people are obviously understand and they know the deal. But some of these people, man, it's just like, I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's just it's 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 OK. Everything's going to be all right. <laughs> Settle down. We're just kind of taking a moment to make sure everyone's going to be okay. And we're going to continue with our, our normal business. So it's okay. You know? Well, I think three steps forward and one step back is still moving forward. So <laughs> that's what I'm saying, you know, and it's just, you know, it's okay if there's going to be little hiccups and we have, we all have to expect that um, over the next couple of years. And that's okay. It's okay. If it keeps some people safe, 
you know, better to err on the on the side of caution. And what's what's wrong with that? It's it's okay. And and you know, we'll you know we'll we'll make it up to to we'll make up the shows. We'll 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 be out there playing shows. We'll be hanging together. You know, it's just it's just that's just we're still in a you know in a pandemic, and, and that's. That's, I think I feel lucky that we can do shows at all. And, you know, we had a lot of great touring that happened in 21 and um, there's going to be a lot of great touring to happen in 22. And this is just a, we have to just take a pause and, 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 you know, you got to respect, you got to respect the virus because, you know, the, the, that's just, um, it's, it's still out there and, and still can, uh, can crowd hospitals and all that stuff. So we just have to be really, really um, conscious of that. Well, I definitely personally came out of this whole thing with a deep appreciation for live shows. And anytime I can go, I'll go. And if I can't go, that's fine too. But uh, I totally appreciate any opportunity that I have to go see live music. And I wish you the best of luck with the new album, Toward the Fray. It comes out February 18th. And uh, everyone needs to come out and get it. And then, then come see you live when the opportunity presents itself to hear these songs live and also good luck with the Grammy nomination. And thank you so, much. Uh, so um, we'll be thinking about you and thank you. And thanks thank so much, Andy, much. for uh, taking the time to talk with us today about the album. Uh, thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate uh, being on the show and, uh, and, and appreciate uh, getting to have the chat. Alrighty folks. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Andy Falco longtime member of Grammy and IBMA award-winning progressive bluegrass band, Infamous String Dusters. To learn more about the band and what they have in store for this year, including the release of their next studio album, Toward the Fray, on February 18th, visit thestringdusters.com. And remember, you can visit diddytv.com shows or download the free Diddy TV app to explore exclusive, on-demand content, including plenty of Insights interviews. Some of the recent guests include Samantha Fish, Warren Haynes, Chris Stone, Kingfish Ingram, and the Dead South. So check those out when you get a chance, and don't forget to share what you find with your friends and to let us know what you think by connecting with us on socials at Diddy TV. We look forward to hearing from you, and until then, thanks again for joining us here on Insights. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.